Let us pray. Our precious Father, we want to thank you again for the privilege we have to gather this evening to study your word. We trust you with it. We look up to you to guide us in it. We look up to you to teach us in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so, we are the seventh part of this study series, The Things of the Spirit, part seven. Remember, we started from, you know, life in the Spirit, which is the life that Jesus gave us. We talked about baptism of the Holy Spirit. We talked about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the offices of the church. All of these things are what the Holy Spirit is doing to be able to uh, manifest the fullness of the kingdom in our lives and to bring the kingdom influence to the world in which we live, to reveal Christ Jesus to people too, and to build the faith of Christians. Now we came, we said, 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1, concerning the spiritual things, brethren, I do not wish you to be ignorant. So God doesn't want us to be ignorant of what the Holy Spirit is doing. Otherwise, our lives will not be fully maximized. We will not cooperate with him to use us to the maximum uh, in the purpose of God for our lives, and we'll be shot. We'll be uh, shot, we will shot ourselves, we'll kind of shot, uh, shot used. We'll not be used to the fullest, and that will not be the best thing, and our life will just flow like that. So in Ephesians 4, 11, the Bible says he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Uh, last Thursday, we dealt with uh, uh, pastors, evangelists, and uh, apostles. We deal with them, the three of them, apostles, evangelists, and pastors. Now today we are going to deal with uh, teachers and prophets. Now a reminder here is that we need to remember that the greatest gift is the life that Jesus died to give us. There is nothing more important than that life. If we don't have that life, we are lost. When we grow in this life, then we can exercise these various gifts and calling under the control of the Spirit of God and fulfill the purpose for which the Holy Spirit is doing all of these things. People who are spiritual babies end up abusing everything, misuse everything, just like natural babies do, and then being led of the flesh instead of the Holy Spirit. Paul called the life that Jesus gave us a more excellent way. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31, so you should honestly desire the most helpful, helpful gifts. But now, let me show you a way of life that is best of all. That's chapter 12, verse 31. And so in verse chapter 14, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, let love be your highest goal. You remember God is love? So this, the total submission of the life of Christ we have is the love of God. So he said, let love be your highest goal. Certainly, it's not human love. Human love that loves only their friends. It's the love of God that goes beyond that to love your enemies and do good to them and pray for them. So let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire special abilities the Spirit gives. So love should be our highest goal because that life of Christ in us is the, is the greatest gift that God has given us. His own life and his own nature which we get when we come to Christ. And Paul was comparing these things in 1 Corinthians 31. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, you see, gift of prophecy, all these gifts, if I 
if I understand all God's secret plans and possess all knowledge, and if I have such faith that I could even move mountains, do all manner of miracles, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor, even sacrifice my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. So you see, Paul is telling us that the primary thing is the life of Christ, which is love. The love of God ruling and controlling us and controlling what else that the Spirit of God is using us to do. And by so doing, we walk in the perfect will of God as concerning whatever that God is using us to engage in. Otherwise, we will let the flesh take over and flesh profits nothing. We see, you know, prayer is key to power. There's no doubt. The Bible says that um, the prayer of the righteous makes much power available, which is true. But let's remember that wisdom is the principal thing. Because without wisdom from the word of God, you will be ignorant. And power in the hand of an ignorant person is like a car in the hand of an ignorant person. You are going to wreck it. You are going to wreck it. It's important that you understand these things. You know, you can't have power in the hand of the flesh. The flesh will wreck it. You can't have power in the hands of somebody who is ignorant. He will also wreck it. There are a lot of people that God has called, gifted. They started well, but they didn't grow in the knowledge of Christ. They stayed in the law. They stayed in the Old Testament. They didn't grow in the knowledge of Christ. And they became ignorant, no light in them. And because they're ignorant, the Bible says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And they destroyed themselves, destroyed the calling. And the devil took over from them because there's no grace there. There's no grace there. So you find all manner of fleshly things happening, manipulation. They start manipulating people to get this and to get that and do this. And then the focus is on them. Power, 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 power. If there is no wisdom, it's quick to control those things. And because people are ignorant, the devil moves in and takes over. They can be calling Jesus and doing everything, but you find that there is manipulation right there. There is, there is no focus on Christ, even though they call Jesus, but it's not the, the focus. They, they will run this race by focusing on Christ. It's not the focus. It's character management. It is law. It is a lot of, a lot of self-punishment, 40 days dry, and all those kind of things. There's no grace. Grace is not raining. not raining. Now, let's go to teachers. People who are called with a special anointing to teach the word of God. Teachers are people who are called with special anointing to teach the word of God. Not every believer is called to the office of a teacher. But all believers can aspire to be teachers. Just like all believers can aspire to have any gifts of the spirit they so desire. Or to be in any office. The Bible talks of those who desire to be uh, pastors or bishops. It, say they don't, it, tells, it tells them these are the things that you have to consider a bishop must be this and that and that and that. He said, if you want to be a, a, a bishop, you desire a good thing. So every, every Christian can aspire to teach, but teaching is an office for people who are specially anointed to teach the word of God. When a teacher is teaching, the, sub, the Bible you've been reading, you, you'll be thinking, have I read this Bible before? It's an anointing working on him that makes him break it down, line upon line, Precept upon precept, in a way that those who don't have that anointing may not be able to do. And teaching is very, very important. You, you may, I think we know that the number one thing that Jesus did was not miracles. The number one thing he did was to teach the people and preach. Miracle come, came third. He didn't put miracles first. First, he would teach them. 
He will preach the word, and they will have faith to receive, and then he will do miracles. And then where they didn't have faith to receive, the Bible says he could dare do no mighty work because, they, because of their unbelief. They didn't believe his word. So he went to other villages and taught them, and they believed and received. So teaching ministry is very important. The First Corinthians 12, 29, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles. So everybody is not called to this office, but like I said, every Christian can aspire to be a teacher. So what do they teach? Well, we find that from what the main purpose of their calling, from the main purpose of every of these offices, all these five offices, has one single one purpose. There's no confusion in what God is doing. Ephesians 4:11. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility, whether you are a teacher, or a pastor, or a prophet, or whatever, you need to now begin to see how you can know the false ones. Because the real ones, their focus is what the Holy Spirit is saying here. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church. So it's not a one-man thing. It's to equip the church to do and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son. So these offices, the Holy Spirit uses it to build Christians up and make them grow so they can take responsibility and serve in the kingdom of God. And they grow in the knowledge of Christ. That's the manner that makes you grow. That's the food of the spirit of a man. The knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's the foundation of our faith. That's the author and finisher of our faith. We don't grow in faith when we don't know Jesus. It doesn't happen. You can't have a book without an author. Jesus is the author of our faith. Every faith our faith starts in him, grows in him, ends in him. There is nothing faith outside of him. Because the foundation, there's no other foundation God's laid. It's the foundation for, of everything God is doing in our lives. So he's talking about these offices. Their goal is to bring the knowledge of Christ and to build Christians to grow so that they can undertake the responsibility of service in the kingdom of God. So that's how you begin to know the real ones, fake ones. As we discuss further, you're going to see further differences. So what is the Holy Spirit teaching? Because if the Holy Spirit says, this is what I'm teaching, then the teacher must also Teach the same thing. If he's being led of the Holy Spirit, he's being used of the Holy Spirit, he can't teach anything different from what the Holy Spirit says I'm teaching. So what is the Holy Spirit teaching? First Corinthians 2, 12. Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. You see, the Holy Spirit says, my work is to teach you the things that are freely given to you in Christ Jesus. So that's what the teacher should be teaching. Teaching people to know Christ. In knowing Jesus, they know what God has accomplished on the cross. That cannot be neglected. That is the New Testament focus of teaching. So that we can walk in all the fullness of everything that Jesus paid for us to have. Dead work is the work that people do to be able to get what Jesus paid for them to have. Those things are called dead works because they can't produce those things. So 2 Timothy 2 verse 1, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the grace, in the, in the 
benefits of grace that is in Christ Jesus. Does anybody know anything that God has given you or God is doing in your life that is not as a result of his grace? Can anybody point to one? Does anybody know anything that you get from God that is not the work of his grace and mercy? That you can say to God, I, I got this on my own achievement. That is not what Jesus paid for, for us to have. It's not. Absolutely not. So Paul said we should be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, verse 2. And all things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit that to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Acts 20, 32. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. Child of God, do not neglect the Bible. You do that at your peril. Do not follow denominational stuff. Follow scripture. If you neglect the Bible, you do that at your peril. The Holy Spirit says, to the word of his grace, the works of his grace, the Spirit of God says, I came to reveal to you the things that are freely given to you, which means the things you get out of the grace of God that Christ paid for. The word of his grace, which is able to build you up now, remember the purpose of all these things is to build Christians to maturity. Now he's telling us how they are built up. He's able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. And so the Bible draws a line for us right here. Second John 10. Second John 10. If anyone comes to your meeting and does not teach the truth about Christ, don't invite that person into your home. Did you see that? Don't invite that person into your home or give any kind of encouragement Anyone who encourages such people becomes a partner in their evil work. It causes it evil work. Unless it's the Holy Spirit talking now. It causes it evil work. If any man comes to your meeting and does not teach the truth about Christ. That's why pastors must be very careful. Your pulpit is not, it's not, it's not for friendship. The pulpit is not where you, you invite your friends to come and talk. Your pulpit is not given to you to, to use anyhow. You don't have the authority. You don't have the authority at all. It is the Holy Spirit that builds the church. He guides. He teaches. Anybody he does not approve cannot be on that pulpit. They may, be, they, may, they, may not mis, they may misunderstand you and be mad. Quit shows you they are really carnal. You really don't bother about such. The pulpit is not where you make friends. It's not where you say you preach in my church. I preach in your church. So if you come to my church, we give you money. And then you invite me. I come to your church and they give me money. That is evil. That is what people who walk by the flesh do. That's what immature people do who say they are pastors. They use the things of God to make money. Trade by butter. You favor me, I favor you. Scratch my back, I scratch your back. It's not supposed to be so. That's an abuse. That's what I'm saying. People who don't grow in the knowledge of Christ are babies. They will abuse everything you give them. And people have walked themselves through whatever means and become pastors, whatever, whatever. So the pulpit is not a place where you say, oh, my in-law is visiting, let him come and preach. It doesn't work like that. Oh, it's my son, let him preach. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. The Holy Spirit is the person that controls the pulpit. It's from there he speaks to the church. You don't let the devil come and teach your people. You can't do that. God talked to the church. He said, uh, he said because you did not allow that prophet, that false prophet to teach in your church. They didn't allow. It doesn't matter. You may be persecuted. You might be called all manner of names. Why do you care about those things? The most important thing is what is God saying? That's all. At the end of the day, God, if God is with you, 
Who can be against you? At the end of the day, God himself, not you, not you, will vindicate you. You don't have to vindicate yourself. You don't have to argue. You don't have to do anything. Now, those who teach the law, there are people who refuse to teach Christ and the grace of God. They teach the law, focus on behavioral management. They don't know what they're talking about. Christianity is not an ethical organization, for God's sake. Every, every religion has ethical things. In fact, you don't have to go to church to learn ethical things. You can teach you at home. There are many psychological philosophers who teach ethics. That's not what Christianity is all about. It's not to make you better, though. It's not to make you better. Your, your parents can make you better. Some experiences will, will cure you, make you better. That's not what Christianity is all about. Christianity is about a new life. It's not a better life, a new life, an entirely new life that Christ came to give us. That's what it is. And it's not to make you better, it's to make you best. It's to make you best. There can't be improvement. Because the life that Christ is giving us is the life of God. There can't be improvement. It's to make you best. Bring you and make you seated with God in heavenly places. Make you best, not make you better. So that's what it is all about. When people don't know this, they, they cling on the law and say, oh, we have to preach sin so that people will repent. No. The Bible said it is God's mercy, the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. If the Holy Spirit doesn't reveal to you, Christ is the light of the world. If you don't, see, if you don't have the knowledge of Christ, you'll see nothing. You'll be blind. Even the sin you think you repent, you can be doing emotional things. You repent today, tomorrow you are back to it. The Bible says by the knowledge of law is sin. It doesn't reveal the power of God. Sin does not reveal the power of God. It doesn't reveal salvation that is in Christ Jesus. And then sin cannot give you faith to overcome. It's the knowledge of Christ that builds your faith to overcome sin, overcome everything, and to live the new life. So but there are two people who teach the law. 1 Timothy 1.5, the purpose of my instruction is that all believers will be filled with, with love. See, the life of Christ, love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith. But some people have missed this whole point. They have turned away from these things and spent their time in meaningless discussions. What is this meaningless discussions? Verse 7, they want to be known as teachers of the law of Moses. Can you imagine that? The very laws that God says have set aside for the unprofitableness of these things is what people bring to the fore and teach in the church to people. What Moses brought, they left what Jesus brought. Teaching, is, this, is Moses our deliverer? Did Moses come to deliver us with the law? He come to give us life. Seven, they want to be known as teachers of the law of Moses, but they don't know what they are talking about. Even though they speak so confidently, this is the Holy Spirit writing these things. And then the Bible says, because of this, it says, take heed unto yourself and the doctrine. Be careful what you are teaching. It has to be doctrine that focuses people on Christ. You run this race by focusing on Christ, focusing on Jesus. So Paul wanted Christians to grow in these truths so they can teach others. But they, they, he didn't find many people. One of the things that Paul faced was shortage of matured Christians. So every letter he wrote, you will see him confronting it. He wrote to, 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 to Corinthians, he said, you are carnal people. You are not spirit people. You are carnal. You are natural people. You are not spirit being. You are not living like spirits, the spirit of God. You are not living that spirit life. And then he wrote to the Hebrews, he said, we are supposed to be teachers. Now you are still babies. He wrote to Ephesians. He, talked, he told them about why God gave us spiritual gifts and offices. It's to make you grow because they were not growing. And the way it's understandable, because there was a lot of persecution at the time, and Christianity just started. 
So he, he, they couldn't, they, he, he didn't find people who could really teach. Even, it was so frustrating to him. He was looking for people that he could hand over some things. Look at First Timothy 4, I mean, Second uh, Timothy 2, 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same teach thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. But where did he find them? He didn't find them. He didn't find them for three reasons. First, they were babies and were not growing at all. So Hebrew 5.12, for when, for the time, you ought to be teachers, see that, you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which is the first principles of the oracles of God, and become such as have need of milk and not of strong milk. You still need to be taught grace, you know, salvation by grace. Every day teaching salvation, because people won't understand it. Everybody go back and teach by grace, because they're struggling, they want the law, they want the law, you say, no, come back to Christ, come back to Christ. The song will set you free if you come to him. Come back, focus on Jesus, focus on Jesus, so your faith will grow. Yeah, you keep teaching it month after month. month after. Pastor, why teaching? Because they're not, they're not growing. They're not growing. Second reason they were not growing is that they were not interested in spiritual growth. Like many people go to church, they don't have interest in spiritual growth at all. All they want is God bless me with dollar, more job, more this, more that. They're not interested in knowing Jesus at all. They don't even think it's important. As long as money is flowing in that, so God, God is good. They have the same value system like the world. But the world, the world, the thing that gives the world satisfaction is the wealth of the world. But to us, it's a different thing. Philippians 2.20. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state, verse 21, for all seek their own. See what I'm talking about? They all seek their own. Not the things which are Jesus Christ. So they are not interested in teaching. They don't want anything that will take their time. They, they have three jobs, four jobs. But then let me tell us, this life will end. Christians do pass away. Christians do die. Let me put it bluntly. Let's not be shocked when a Christian dies. People do die. Read the Bible and see a lot of them that pass away. This life, don't hold it like it's, it's, it's everything to you. The Bible says we are pilgrims here on earth. We are passing through here. A foolish man that thought like this, Act out his money, save the Jesus, say you're a fool. He said, when you, are, you are dying this night. Let me know who owns all the things you live here. Who owns them? What are you going to do when you pass away? Are you going to come back and, and run your business, run the money you packed like that? Do you know what will happen to them? When you neglected God using your life? And so they don't, love, they don't love Jesus. Because of that, they don't love Jesus. A lot of people dance and say they love Jesus. They don't. Love is proved by sacrifice. If you're not prepared to sacrifice, you don't love that person. You don't love Jesus at all. When you love somebody, there's no pain in sacrifice. You are prepared to do anything. Once you see people giving reason, you are not interested. You have no interest. My people say, if you talk the one that a sick man likes, he say, raise my head, though. please. Put pillow for me. Raise my head. So love is proved by sacrifice. Let, let's see the love that Jesus had for us. Hebrews 12, 2. We look away from the natural realm, and we fasten our gaze unto Jesus. I'm leading TPT. TPT, I learned this from um, our pastor, Ezra. She used it, it blessed me, so I went back to look at it. Hebrews 12, 2. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze unto Jesus, who batted, batted faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this. This is where I'm going. Please listen to this. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you will be his. He endured the agony of the cross and conquered his humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. You get a picture here. 
That while Jesus suffered these things, you see, he loved you so much, like a shooter going to marry a woman and is prepared to pay any price to marry her, to get her. That's the picture right here. That the joy of you and me becoming his. So I'm prepared to pay any price. I want this. I want to marry her. I want to marry her. I want him to be mine. I want you to be mine. The Bible said that's, the, that's what motivated him. The love he has for us. Proved by sacrifice. If a man wants to marry a woman he loves, that man will do anything. No matter what you say, he will borrow. So that that woman will be his. That woman will be his. But if a man is not interested, the first obstacle is say, it's okay now. See, there's trouble. I can't even go further. He's not interested. <laughs> just, that, that first challenge gave him reasons to go with. But the one that is interested, man, he will jump or do anything. The man that needed healing, he removed roof. He removed roof. I need this thing. Desperate. Remove the roof. And God healed him. So love is proved by sacrifice. If you say you love Jesus, you need to ask yourself, what's the sacrifice? Now, you can't even spend time to teach Sunday school, teach life center, because you are too busy making money, piling it away in the bank, piling it away. Did you read what Jesus said? He called the man a fool. So the teachers are those who are called with special anointing to teach. And like I said, you can find them in the Sunday schools, the teaching Sunday school, people who are paying the price. You know, those of you who are not interested, you think they're fools? All right, who know? Then they teach life centers. Some people think they're foolish doing that. I don't want to, ah, I don't want to t- t- take too much of my time. You're avoiding Jesus? <laughs> who owns the life? See how wise we are. Who owns your life? So when trouble comes, you start praying like a house on fire. You can't deceive God, you know that. God said, you can't mock me anyway. We need to rethink what we're doing. If you don't love Jesus, go to God and say, Lord, I don't love you. Help me. I need to love you. Because if you don't love Jesus, you can't love man. And you need to know what the Bible says about those who don't love the Lord Jesus. I don't want to say it. Be find it out yourself. What he said is not what you want to be your portion. And Jesus said, the only reason you can do what I say is because you love me. It's not because you are going to hell or not. It's because if you love me, do my will. It's love that motivates the thing that is accepted to God. Not by obligation. Not by obligation. It's because you love me. Then you do what I say. If you love somebody, oh my God, you want anything they say you do. Because you want them to be happy. So it's because people don't love God because they are babies, because they are not growing in knowledge of Jesus. That's why they run away from serving Jesus. But if they know, if they understand that there's nothing more valuable than serving Jesus, they will throw in their life in it, pay the price for it to serve this, the, the, the bishop of their soul, the one that died to, to save them, the one that loves them so much and said, I want to marry you, I want to have you, you want to have you. I'm prepared to die for you. The Lord will help us to understand these things. And finally, let's talk about the prophets. This is the most misunderstood word, and most abused because people will not take time to study the Bible. And because they don't take time to study the Bible, they just simply use parlance that is popular. Mainstream language. Everybody say prophet. You play, you play one music in Abba, you are not a prophet. A prophet. But the scripture is not confused. We can be confused, but the scripture is not confused because it lays out in details who is called to be a prophet, who is called to be a pastor, their, their assignments and what they're supposed to be doing. God says, I'm not a God of confusion. He lays it out properly. But if we take time to study them, we'll find it. And many of you who are really prophets, I've seen some prophets in the church. I've seen some of you. When you understand these things, we study them. You go to God, you see that you're gifting. Boom. Come up like fire. 
just come up like fire that has been blown. Poo, 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 the thing comes up. And you, see, you begin to see God use you in a mighty way. And yet you've been sitting in those pews just not being fully used by God. So I would appreciate if we go and st- listen to this teaching, study them, so you find your own gifting, find your own office, and let God use you in those, in those areas. So prophets are the ones called to the, listen, they are called to the gift of revelation and simple gift of prophecy. Gift of revelation and prophecy. The gift of prophecy is not a prophet. It's totally different. The gift of prophecy is inspirational gift. There's no revelation in it. The gift of prophecy has no revelation at all. It's merely inspirational where God speaks through you to be able to edify people, comfort people, and exhort people. And that gift is so important because people face a lot of challenges. When you see somebody operating that gift of prophecy, when they start talking or preaching, everybody wakes up. If you have been depressed or discouraged, in three minutes, you are... Man, you, your faith is on fire. You have, they, they, they ignite you with that anointing. Let me give you an example. You remember some of our ministers that preached. I won't call their names, but I want you to know who preached. I'll tell you the office in which they operate. The first one that preached on rest, on rest, preached under heavy gift of prophecy. It was strongly comforting. It was strongly edifying. It was so powerfully exhorting brethren to draw close to, to Christ, to draw close to their faith, to, to rest in him. And the thing blessed so many people, the thing ignited people who were weak. That's why Paul said, I wish everybody said prophet. we have this gift of prophecy. Because we need it. Then the second person that priest came with the anointing of a teacher. The anointing of a teacher, precept upon precept, precept, very strong anointing of a teacher. Stood here as a teacher, precept upon precept. The second time I preached point one, point two, point three. That's a teacher. That's, that's the teaching gift in him. That's not the only thing there can be, but in those moments, that's what was happening. That was, uh, that was, that's the, that's the, the anointing that was on them. And then the last one that I preached, preached with the anointing of a prophet. And I told him, I say, my friend, you preach with the anointing of a prophet. And when we get to the prophet, I'll show you how. Oh, that's, I think that's where we are. Prophets, prophets have this, this manifestation of bringing correction. And they, don't, they hardly follow scripts. When that anointing comes on them, because they have, they have revelation, they have revelation of word of knowledge and word of wisdom. So they know the purpose of God by, by their spirit, not what they can sense the purpose of God and immediately by word of knowledge know whether when, when, when we are out of alignment. And that anointing comes on them to call it out. So many people don't like them because they call it out. So he began to speak to us and say, hey, we are, we are, we are out of the will of God. The knowledge of Christ is not there. That's what prophets do. That's the, that's the anointing of a prophet. And then the Sunday, school, the Sunday school rally we had, the first brother that spoke to us spoke under the gifting of, of, a, of a teacher. Laid it upon back point. Then the second person that spoke to us spoke on the anointing of a prophet. He said, okay, uh, how many of you say, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Yeah, he said, but how many of you are following it? The next time, all the script they had, they didn't even read any of them. Because that, they are not a prophet. They, they don't, they finally follow script. Because on the spot of the moment, moment that anointing comes, they start to bring out revelation of what is wrong here. And they have this boldness to say it. But when they say it, it defies. That will tell you this is the spirit of God. There are people who find fault. I'm not talking about fault finders. Fault finders are used by the devil. That's what I'm talking about. 
But these ones, when they speak, you know this is the anointing of God. It brings, it, it defies, it builds people. Say, oh my God, that's true. Oh wow. Oh wow. Yeah, that's what it does. That's how that, that gift of the prophecy draws you close to Christ, makes you grow. It makes you grow. It makes you grow because it shows you things that nobody will tell you. So you see, they have, they have the gift of prophecy, which is speaking to men to encourage them, to defy them. You know, you know them in this church. Some of our pastors, when they start preaching, in three minutes, you are jumping on your chair. That's powerful gift of prophecy. There is, you can't sit under their sermon and leave the church without joy and smile because they, it's a gifting that wakes up everybody. He's tired or weak or giving up. By the time they finish 13, 15 minutes, man, you are, you are full of joy, you are full of life. That's what that gift of prophecy does. It's not revelation, but it's powerful. And when they sing, once they start singing, you, you, you see yourself down. It's like the thing touches you. It may like, wow, you're just, man, amazing. You forget your problem. That's what it does. So they have, they have prophets have the word, of, the word of wisdom, which is a revelation by the Holy Spirit to them concerning um, the future, God's plan for the future, God's purpose for the future. They have it. They have word of knowledge, which is revelation by the Holy Spirit about certain facts in the present or past concerning a place, a people, or a thing. That's why he'll come and know what is wrong. Certain facts, he knows it by his spirit. And he knows this out, of, this out of joint with the purpose and will of God concerning these people here, concerning this place here. Prophets, remember in the Old Testament, they used to pronounce judgment on, on the nation. <laughs> they would tell the nation what they're doing. But that's not their main call, though. I'm just pointing out this thing that's part of the aspects of, their, of this ministry can manifest this way. But that's not the main purpose, though. It's not to go and be correcting people, no. No, no. I'm saying that these things happen. It does happen. So when it happens, don't feel, just know that, man, there are not things on him. And take what correction God is giving. The Bible said, when God corrects, he said, my son, don't be discouraged. So, and they have, so they have simple, and they have also a descending of spirit, which is seen of vision, seen into the spirit world. So they have, the prophet manifests, gift of prophecy encourages people, it defies people, which is one of the most powerful gifts that we need. Otherwise, people will be backsliding very easily. And the devil attacks people all over the place. We need this thing to, to fire them up, to get back into the battle and do battle again. Then they have, they manifest the revelation gifts, word of wisdom, which is God's plan and purpose for the future. His will for the future. And number two, word of knowledge, which is certain facts about that's happened presently or in the past about a people, a place, or a person. And they also have discerning of spirit. So they see into the spirit world now. All these four gifting may not operate in one prophet, but they have gift of prophecy. All of them. All of them. All prophets have it from the Old Testament to New. Number two, they have at least two of these revelation gifts operating constantly in their lives. Some of them who, have, who are prophets have not developed it because they don't know. And when the anointing comes on them, they, they, they don't yield to it. So it's not, it's lying dumb and there. Now, let me tell you the difference between fortune telling and true prophet. True prophet focuses on Christ Jesus, not just telling people the future. Fortune tellers have no revelation from Christ and do not focus on him. 
What they tell people does not draw anybody to Jesus Christ. Like the brother that said, you people believe this word of God. Seek you first the kingdom of God. It's right. He said, but how many of you, is that, is that what the guiding how many of you see? How it's encouraging us to go to the word and practice it. That's what a true gift of prophecy does. But these people who are false ones, they won't tell you such things at all. All they will focus on is to tell you the future. Tell you the future, and they tell you the future, whether it is sinful, they are going to do business, whether it's dirty business, they will tell you whether it succeeds or not. You're doing things that are immoral, things that are evil, you go to them and say, I'm going to see a prophet to pray for me, and they see vision for you. Both you and them are serving the devil. All the people who do things like that are not God's prophet. Because God has nothing to do with evil. God is righteous. Jesus is light. There's no darkness in him. The prophet that will condone all manner of evil that you are doing, say, let me fast for you so you can succeed. When you are doing smuggling, that's not a prophet of God. When you are doing open evil, that's not a prophet of God. The prophet of God will bring you into knowledge of the truth and tell you this thing you are doing is wrong. It will be part of it. You know? So let's see, let's see um, typical uh, false prophet in Acts 8, 9. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery. What is sorcery? Sorcery is fortune telling. It's, uh, you know, it's uh, necromancy. Necromancy is the use of power gained from the assistance or control of evil spirits, especially for divining. What is divining? Divining is to tell the future, magically revealing the future or even influencing the course of events. That's divining, that's necromancy, calling up the spirit of the dead to tell you about the future. That's what Saul went to do with the witch of Endor. He wanted to call up the spirit of Samuel to tell him about the future. And God called this, caused, caused it abomination. So they tell future, they tell the future. And they are, if they are accurate, because they are accurate. If they are not accurate, people won't be going. Look at this one, Acts 8, 9. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonish the people of Samaria. If, they, if it wasn't being accurate, they would not astonish them. The person that told me that I'll be a pastor and I'll walk abroad is a false prophet. And how I knew is that I, I asked him, I said, how come you're marrying two wives, three wives? How come? He didn't answer me. I said, the true prophet lives pure. But this one, I don't know you live like Jesus. He didn't answer me till today. So if they don't, if they don't tell you what, what happens accurately, people won't be deceived. That's why it's deceit, now. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city that stunned the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great. He was someone great. Verse 10. To whom they all gave it from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. See, if he wasn't telling them accurate things, they would say so. I mean, if he said something that doesn't work, they won't come. But they will tell you it's because that demonic spirit. Verse 11, and they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip as a priest, the things concerning the kingdom of God. Here comes the kingdom of God. So different. Philip came with the things concerning the kingdom of God. Not tell you future anything. Concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus, the Lord. The Lord himself arrived on the scene. Both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed. When he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed 
seeing the miracle and signs which were done, the kingdom of God arised on the scene and brought a new level of glory and power. Devil couldn't do that. Couldn't do that. The Bible talks about this is the finger of God. The magicians of Egypt confessed it. They said, this is the finger of God. We can't handle this. And Jesus said, if I with the finger of God, cast out demons, then the kingdom of God is here. The finger of righteousness, the scepter of the kingdom is righteousness and justice. It doesn't get involved in evil. Praying for you when you are going to commit evil so you succeed. It's not of God. So now you can see some qualities of the fortune teller. All they do is tell you the future. They aren't bringing you to Jesus. They aren't talking about Jesus. They, are not, they don't know him. They are, they, they are, I mean, they're controlled by demons. Now, some, so Simon was a fortune teller. All he did was tell the future and do miracles. They even influenced the future. That was all, all he was doing, nothing else. Nothing else from what he did introduced the kingdom of God, introduced Jesus to people or drew them near to him. Number two, he exalted himself as the power of God. He made himself the anointed one. Exactly what Jesus said. He said, they'll come and say, I'm the, I'm, 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 I'm the one, the anointed one. So the focus was on him. And let me say this. Anywhere you go and the man makes himself the focus, get out of there. Or soon you worship man-made God. Whether it's a church or whatever it is. Focus is on Jesus Christ. We run this race by focusing on Jesus, not a man, not a human being. There is just one that is Lord and he's Jesus. We have one God, one Lord, one spirit, one baptism. None of them is a man. You go to church where the focus is not on Jesus but on laws, no grace. Laws, laws, wrong. Because only the grace of God can make you what you should be. Now listen to Peter here. Acts 3, 12. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel you at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us? As though by our own power or holiness, we have made this man to walk. This is the Holy Spirit speaking, pointing people to Jesus. The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our father, that glorified his son Jesus, whom you delivered up and they denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. Peter said, don't look at us. We're not the ones. God is glorifying his son Jesus, pointing them to Christ. That's how you know the real one. Focusing, we run this race by focusing on Christ, looking unto Jesus, pointing them to Christ, the real one. <clears throat> Revelation 19:10. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him, but he said, No, don't worship me. I'm a servant of God, just like you. Your brothers and sisters who testify about their faith in Jesus. See, they don't take the glory. He said, Worship only God, for the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. That's the essence of prophecy. Another translation says, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That's King James Version. The real essence of prophecy is to witness of Jesus. That's what it's all about. You know the fake from the real. If the, if the focus is not on Jesus, so that you, the purpose of all of this is so that you know Christ and grow in your faith in him and become mature. If that is not what is happening, then that's not the Holy Spirit. You don't, have any, don't, need, you don't need any Jupiter to tell you. It's not the Holy Spirit. Now let's look at the example. David manifesting the word of wisdom concerning divine plan for the future. Thus, David was a prophet too. Acts 2.29, men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is born dead, that he's both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day, 30. Therefore, being a prophet, 
and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his lions, according to the flesh, he will raise up Christ to sit on his throne. You see, he has word of knowledge of the future, what God was going to do. He says, verse 30, therefore being a prophet and knowing, what does he know? That God has sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his lions, according to the flesh, he will raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He's seen this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither is his flesh did see corruption. He was talking about resurrection of Christ when no, people didn't know anything about it. That's word of wisdom. Divine plan, future plan. Prophets have revelation. They do have revelation. Now, let, let me take you back and read for you uh, one scripture because of time that will show you what I'm talking about here. First Corinthians 14, 29. Let the prophets speak two or three and let the other judge. If anything be revealed, you see, they have revelation. If anything be revealed to another that is seated by, let the face hold his peace. So they have revelation, 31. For ye may all prophesy one by one. So they also prophesy. So they have gift of revelation and they also prophesy that all may learn and all may be comforted and the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but peace in all the churches of the saints. So he's talking about prophets right here. So they have this gift of revelation and prophecy manifesting in their lives. So we saw David now manifesting the gift of word of wisdom. Now prophets manifesting the gift of revelation of word of uh, wisdom again, Acts 11.23. And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. And there stood up one of them named Agabus and signified by the spirit that there should be a great death throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples were, the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also did they did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So Agabus came and said, there's coming a, a famine. That's future. That's future. The famine is coming. And they're prepared for it. Now, Acts 21.10. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. The same Agabus. And when he was come to us, he took Paul's girdle, bound his hands, feet, and said, Thus said the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owned this God. You see, prophets, they speak some things that they hard, but they speak them because that's truth. This was said there's going to be a famine. This is not to speak to make you excited. Tell you the truth, hard, hard ones, going to be a famine. This one said, hey, whoever owns this thing, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owned this God and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when he had these things, both we and they of that place, besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, what mean you to weep and break my heart? I am ready not to be bound, only to bow, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of Jesus, for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he will not be persuaded, we see saying, the will of the Lord be done. Now let's see Judas. This is the last one. Next week we start with the purpose uh, that prophet, prophets are not for guidance. They are not for guidance at all. Now, let's see Judas. This is another set of prophets, Judas and Silas. Acts 15, 32. And Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, exhorted the brethren. You see, they brought the word, the gift of prophecy. 
exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. Because the church was passing through persecution. So they exhorted, like I said, this, this gift of prophecy is amazing. It can lift up your spirit easily when that anointing is on the person speaking. So they exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. So we see prophecy, word of, knowledge, word of wisdom, you know, um, um, prophecy, gift of prophecy. And also they have the word of uh, knowledge too, working in their ministries. Now the purpose is not for guidance, like I said. Romans 8, 9, but he are not in the, so we take, that's no time. We will take it from here next Thursday and take time and explain that prophets are not to guide you because you have the spirit of God in you. The spirit of God in you is for guidance, not the spirit upon. The spirit of God in you is for guidance. It's for guidance. It's for guidance. And so we're going to study that from next week, Thursday. Let us pray. Father, we just want to thank you for revealing to us the scriptural truth about these offices that you set out in the church so that we can find our place these people in the church, find our place in them, and let the Holy Spirit use us to operate in these offices to bless your people, to bless your people, so that our lives will be maximally used while we are alive and breathing. And then people will be blessed. People will be drawn toward Jesus. And in all of this, Lord, your kingdom will expand. It's not about a human being. It's not about personal benefit. It's about bringing your children to maturity in the knowledge of Jesus. Thank you, merciful Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.